Welcome to the Key Wealth Matters weekly podcast, where we casually ramble on about important topics, including the markets, the economy, human ingenuity, and almost anything under the sun, giving you the keys to unlock the mysteries of the markets and investing. Today is Friday, July 14th, 2023. I'm Brian Peterangelo, and welcome to the podcast. As an interesting item, tonight at midnight marks the end of the nine-day festival that occurs every July known as the San Fermin Festival. Most people are only aware of one of the major events of the festival that occurred last week, the running of the bulls in Pamplona, Spain. The festival is actually about a time of reflection and respect in a place where people of all walks of life come to unite. Clearly, last week and for the first half of the year, the bulls have been running on Wall Street, with the S&P 500 up 17% and the NASDAQ double that. With me today, I'd like to introduce our panel of investing experts here to provide their insights on this week's market activity and their thoughts on whether we continue to see the bulls in the second half of the year. George Matteo, Chief Investment Officer, Steve Haight, Head of Equities, and Justin Tentallo, Director of Multi-Strategy Research. As a reminder, a lot of great content is available on key.com slash wealth insights, including updates from our Wealth Institute on many different subjects, and especially our key questions article series, addressing a relevant topic for investors each Wednesday. In addition, if you have any questions or need more information, please reach out to your financial advisor. Taking a look at this week's economic news, we have three items to share with you for the week. First, just yesterday, overall initial unemployment claims decreased from the prior week and settled in at 237,000, which shows some resiliency in the job market, which is overall good news. Second, earlier in the week, the Fed's Beige Book report came out and showed overall economic activity increased slightly since last May. Five districts reported slight or modest growth, five noted no change, and two reported slight or modest declines. Consumer spending was mixed, and on the labor market, employment increased modestly for the period, with most districts experiencing some job growth. And finally, the big news for the week was inflation as measured by the Consumer Price Index, which showed year-over-year percentage change in June of 3%, which was down from 4% the prior month, which shows indicating declines in moderation or cooling in the overall inflation. But if you exclude food and energy... The core CPI came in at 4.8%, slightly lower than last month at 5.3%, but still elevated above the Fed's 2% target. In addition, goods inflation seems to be in check at below 2%, while services inflation still continues to be high at over 6% as we continue to see the services economy expand. What does this all mean for the Fed in terms of the possibility of making mainly only one interest rate hike in the remainder of the year rather than two as has been forecasted, given that inflation is coming down with respect to the Fed's target? So let's start with George today to get his reactions to some of the data this week and his thoughts for what it might mean for the second half of the year. George? Well, Brian, you're right to mention inflation is kind of the big story of the week. It's probably been the big story of the last two years, frankly. But uh, we've definitely got indications that inflation is really finally starting to come down in a pretty major way. Um, <clears throat> the headline number suggested that inflation rose about, about 20 basis points, uh, really on the back of some lower energy prices, which we've been talking about for a while now. Um, at the core level, which you take out uh, energy prices, you know, we also saw that come back down also to about 20 basis points. And I think it was pretty much broad based. I mean, we saw the fact that used car prices came down quite a bit. Um, medical care services were also down. Airfares plunged, which, you know, I think any of us that have traveled lately might kind of cause, um, cause our eyebrows to raise with that one. But, you know, housing finally moderated too. So if you look at kind of the overall picture 
at the headline level, inflation rose about 3% year over year. That's the lowest reading since March of 21. Uh, a year ago, this time it was 9%. So we've gone from 9% to 3% in about 12 months, which is pretty remarkable. Fast as it goes up, fast as it goes down, it seems. And then if you can, you take out energy prices at the core level, inflation was just under 5%, um, the lowest reading since kind of late 21. So I think it's probably you know wise to point out the fact that um, you know these numbers are still kind of above where the target, uh, the Fed is targeting rather. So I think they're probably suggest that there's more to do and it's pretty well baked in the cake that rates are going to have to be uh, adjusted higher one more time. But the back half of the year is going to be kind of key to watch to see if the Fed starts to signal that there might be an extended pause for a while, trying to get maybe a, kind of a, a full calibration of where uh, Fed policy will be now that inflation is finally starting to cool off quite a bit. Um, I don't think this is still the beginning of a pivot. I don't think we should start suggesting the fact that the Fed is going to be cutting rates. I still think there's a expectation amongst, amongst some market participants that we'll start to see that in the back half of this year, but I would suggest that it's a bit too optimistic there. But I still think it's important to acknowledge that as inflation risks have fallen, some of these soft landing hopes have risen quite um, uh, quite noticeably, and that's been certainly a positive for risk assets such as stocks in the past um, past several weeks or so. Um, I guess it, I kind of throw it to you, Steve. First of all, in terms of what you think has been discounted, and I think you have to kind of keep in mind, I guess, that there's probably been some inflationary impulse in terms of overall corporate profits, right? I mean, revenues are kind of tied to inflation. And, and as inflation comes down, maybe we start to see some softening in revenues, maybe, maybe not. Um, but how much do you think, Steve, has been kind of discounted of the soft landing narrative amongst the equity market? Well, I definitely think, George, and good morning, everybody, that, that you know, the market is starting to migrate toward the soft landing scenario. Um, as we you know, came into the year, the, the recession scenario for 2023 was pretty much baked in the cake for the market. And the one key for the year has been that we've seen growth surprise to the upside. So um, last year seems to us that was all about inflation. This year, it's all about growth. And the fact that the growth is surprising to the upside has led to earnings revisions being moved to the upside. Um, and stocks have risen accordingly. So, you know, what we're seeing now is uh, a bottoming of earnings expectations here this quarter, and then we should see acceleration out of this quarter through the last two quarters of the year, and then the forecast for next year for 12% uh, earnings growth. So, you know, it's really, it's hard to get uh, too negative on equities when you see a, a see earnings going up and to the right, and you see this inflection point here. So, um, as long as growth continues to surprise to the upside, I think that we have a pretty bullish scenario in place for for equities for the second half. And I'd be remiss if I didn't point out the fact that you know when you've had historically years where you have the first half of the year up fourteen or fifteen percent, the second half of the year is typically followed by high single digit to low double digit returns historically. So um, I, I think it'd be very hard to bet against that at this point in time. I think there's probably three things though we should probably keep our eyes on a little bit. Um, suggesting maybe again, as you mentioned, the next several weeks or months or so could be pretty benign. But I still think we have to acknowledge that we're not totally out of the woods just yet. Um, and again, I think the three things that I'm kind of watching, one of which is, is the base effect that we talked about, meaning that again a year ago this time, inflation, as I mentioned earlier, was was hovering around nine percent. Uh, as we kind of drop off some of those kind of high numbers year over year. The numbers today look a little bit lower um, because you have this this base effect that kind of goes on and, and maybe maybe it's kind of said in a more simplistic way i probably want to see another month or two to kind of really see if this these low inflation numbers are for real 
Um, secondly, I think we have to acknowledge that home prices are still elevated. Yes, it's true that I think home prices, the way it's calculated amongst the CPI uh, uh, calculator, if you will, uh, is, is probably an odd thing at best. But you know, I still think that home prices are, are also somewhat elevated. And they did come down a little bit, but they're still quite elevated relative to where they've been over time. Um, same thing with, with food prices, I mentioned as well. So I still think there's some evidence of, of some, some pockets of inflation that need to be monitored. And then thirdly, it has to do with wages. I mean, wages, I still think, are kind of the way in which the Fed would like to try and see the economy kind of um, kind of cool off a little bit. Uh, and we haven't seen that. And probably more so, we've probably seen continued evidence of, of consumer spending, which is you know generally good for the economy, but also leads to inflation as well. So I guess you know we've kind of seen this, this overall phenomenon um, kind of take shape where inflation is coming down, but there's still some things to, to monitor going forward. Steve, one last question for you, though. We've seen a couple companies uh, come out with reporting so far. I know it's very early. It's only been a couple hours or so. But any quick takeaways uh, from your perspective with, with respect to future uh, earnings? Yeah, I mean, I think that we saw uh, us almost record levels of positive pre-announcements coming into the quarter. And that tells me that the bar got lowered far enough that pretty much everybody's going to be able to step over it in good fashion. And so far, that's what we're seeing uh, with the reports that we've seen out of major banks today. They've come out, out and done, done well on a relative to expectations basis. So you know, I don't think that there's anything um, in, in this quarter's uh, releases that's going to get in the way of the market working. You know, to your point, George, on the second half of the year, you know, I just would just would say that, you know, when you look at the, the, the market, the market has done a pretty good job of seeing through a lot of um, the, the, the negative potential here. And, and I would, again, caution people to get too negative when uh, we have a, a lot of things that can go right from here. You know, when we look at the, the, the economic expectations, um, I think that that pretty much everybody has been wrong so far coming out of the the covid pandemic um and and i would uh, i think that there's a there's still there's still plenty of, of of things that that could go right from here well thanks Stephen. in addition to talking about public equity we've got justin tantello on the line to talk about what's happening in the private equity and specifically the venture capital markets differing from the first half of the year and what might be happening for the second half so justin what are some of your thoughts that our listeners would want to hear Thanks, Brian. Yeah, there are there are a couple of cross currents going on in venture capital. I would say the biggest uh, hangover is still largely in the later stage growth equity space. These are companies that are uh, at the last stage of venture capital funding, the pre-IPO type companies. Uh, the valuations for those deals have come down significantly. Uh, this year, they're down about 65% from the valuations that were taking place this time last year or early last year. Uh, and so uh, the typical late stage growth venture firm, uh, venture uh, uh, funded business is valued at about 125 million, whereas last year at the beginning of the year, it was closer to 300 million. Uh, of course, one of the reasons for the lack of enthusiasm in that space is the IPO window uh, for all intents and purposes, uh, remains closed. Um, if you think about the deal volume, right, how many businesses are receiving venture capital funding? The first half of the year has been uh, quite weak on one with one lens. We're down about 50% um, as, as compared to the, the same period last year in terms of 
how much venture capital funding has taken place. So in the U.S., for the first half of the year, it's been uh, approximately $90 billion venture capital funding, and again, down close to half from the same period last year. But we are seeing some signs of optimism. If you think about what's going on in, in U.S. large-cap growth stocks, that this year so far has been a tremendous year. There are much better signs of a brighter future. And the reason has been largely AI. And a, the AI theme has permeated into large-cap growth stocks. And, and the same theme has permeated into the early-stage venture capital uh, sector as well. So if we look at AI as an investment target, it's accounted for approximately 30% of venture funding in the first half of the year. And that's that's a lot if you consider how fast uh, it, it's pivoted, largely on the back of the success, the unprecedented success of ChatGPT, which came about in uh, the fourth quarter of last year. And so Silicon Valley is doing what it does best, finds a new technology, it leans into it aggressively, and is finding the best entrepreneurs to exploit and propagate that technology. Uh, and we're, we're seeing that in, in the AI space um, happening pretty quickly. Well, thanks, Justin. So George, we often talk about remaining diversified and the use of new tools within a diversified portfolio. Considering what Justin said, how about some closing thoughts for you in terms of diversifying a portfolio? Sure, Brian. I, I do think that these new tools that we've talked about from time to time do make a lot of sense. And it's kind of a broad categorization for things that are uh, maybe beyond uh, simple stocks, bonds, and cash. You know, I think all those things have a role to play in a portfolio. So being diversified has probably some exposure to stocks and some uh, to bonds based on your overall risk preference. And, you know, cash these days actually is, a, is actually giving you a decent return at around 4%, 5% or so. So it provides some yield, but I think more than anything else, I think cash is there for somewhat of a um, um, preservation strategy, if you will. And those yields will probably come down if and when the Fed decides to lower rates. But, you know, uh, to respect to your question, I do think it's important to stay diversified. I mean, we just don't know. No one really knows what the future is going to hold for sure. Um, there are still some some reasons to be optimistic, as Steve talked about, and uh, some reasons maybe to be a little bit, you know, cautious or at least uh, be aware of into the back half of this year as things start to moderate in the economy. So, you know, the things that Justin talked about really are ways to capitalize on the early stage of innovation in our country, which has been a tremendous tailwind and a tremendous um, sign of strength, attribute of strength for, for many years. So to those clients that can embrace uh, illiquidity, we do think that private capital, venture capital, private equity, private credit even, uh, can play a, a meaningful role in portfolio in terms of diversification. And then other things uh, such as real assets, which have gone through um, a kind of the grinder of late, but um, still absence that I still think um, when you have these spikes in inflation that we saw in the last year or two, uh, there's some benefit there as well. So the overall notion, again, is just kind of premised on the fact that I think diversification is a winning strategy in most market environments, and it seems to be a winning strategy over the long term. Well, thanks for the conversation today, George, Steve, and Justin. We appreciate your insights. And thanks to our listeners for joining us today. Be sure to subscribe to the Key Wealth Matters podcast through your favorite podcast app. As always, past performance is no guarantee of future results, and we know your financial situation is personal to you. So reach out to your relationship manager, portfolio strategist, or financial advisor for more information, and we'll catch up with you next week to see how the world and the markets have changed and provide those keys to help you achieve your financial success. The Key Wealth Matters podcast is produced by the Key Wealth Institute. 
The Key Wealth Institute is comprised of financial professionals representing key entities, including key private bank, key bank institutional advisors, key private client, and key investment services. Any opinions, projections, or recommendations contained herein are subject to change without notice and are not intended as individual investment advice. This material is presented for informational purposes only and should not be construed as individual tax or financial advice. Bank and trust products are provided by Key Bank National Association, a member of FDIC and Equal Housing Lender. Key Private Bank and Key Bank Institutional Advisors are part of Key Bank. Investment products, brokerage, and investment advisory services are offered through Key Investment Services, LLC, or KISS, a member of FINRA, SIPC, and SEC Registered Investment Advisor. Insurance products are offered through Key Corp Insurance Agency, USA Incorporated, or KIA. KISS and KIA are affiliated with Key Bank. Investments and insurance products are not FDIC insured, not bank guaranteed, may lose value, not a deposit, not insured by any federal or state government agency. eBank and its affiliates do not provide tax or legal advice. Individuals should consult their personal tax advisor before making any tax-related investment decisions. This content is copyrighted by KeyCorp 2023.